the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When I was a little kid, I used to dread hearing my father call me by both my first name and my middle name. If my middle name was brought up, I knew, uh uh-oh, this is not good. Similarly, whenever I delve into a topic and then we go to break and then the phones like light up, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, is this the talk show equivalent of people calling me by my middle name? I have no idea what I said that sparked uh, this interest on the phones, but I'm always happy to talk to you. 844-TALK-989, 844-TALK-989. Let's go first to Patrick on the west side. Hi, Patrick. Welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show. Hey, Bruce. Uh, good uh, afternoon. Yeah, I uh, I typically love listening to you, and I almost always agree with you, especially when you talk about the perversion of the LGBTQ community. But, you know, I just think that this whole talk about religion and, and especially Muslims, I think Christians especially have a lot of nerve, especially white Christians, to speak about any type of atrocities by any religion. White Christians over hundreds of years, centuries, have committed the most heinous atrocities. We don't like to talk about them, obviously, to, towards other religious groups, towards other people, other people of faith, uh, people of other colors. And to sit here and talk about, you know, Muslims because they have a different religion and call their heaven perverse. You know, I can go through the entire so-called Holy Bible and bring up a lot of perversion in the New and Old Testament. So I think you and a lot of your uh, people think like you have a lot of audacity. So that's all I have to say. Okay. Thank you for the call, Patrick. I'd like to engage on that, but he's not interested in it. I'll just say, in terms of—I assume my first thought when he was talking about the atrocities is the Crusades, and the Crusades were indeed atrocities. And here's the thing. In every religion— Scripture can be, it's whatever the Scripture is, the Scripture can be twisted into actions that are not endorsed by the authentic interpretation of the Scriptures. The Crusades is one of those instances, and I'm sure that whatever other instances Patrick's talking about also would fall under those instances. So the Koran is Muhammad's vision of what he believed made him the uh, head of the Muslim faith, and that is what the Quran says heaven is. It's virgins and endless sexual gratification and stuff like that. That, to me, is, according to my belief, my personal belief of what heaven is, that is a perverted view of heaven. You're always entitled to differing opinion. I don't dispute that Christianity has been, and still today is, often used to inaccurately reflect the thoughts of God. So I appreciate the call. appreciate you listening. Michael and Dayton next. Hello, Michael. You're welcome on the Bruce Hooley Show. Yeah, uh, I just had a, a troubling experience. I went across the street to the Methodist church that... Uh, 
serves a takeout lunch on Tuesdays. And uh, I was telling a couple of people what I heard you report about the, uh, was it a four-star admiral, uh, a biological man posing yeah, as yeah, a yeah. woman? Rachel Levine is the yeah. name that he chooses to go by now. And uh, anyway, when I got to the table there to, to get my lunch, I was telling this uh, nice lady there uh, about this. And uh, uh, her first comment was, <clears throat> that's good. And I said, no, that's bad. And uh, she says, well, he's trans. And uh, I said, no, he's not. And she said, uh, God made him that way. And I said, no, he didn't. And uh, she says, well, that's what he thinks. And I said, God made them male and female. And uh, our country is going to hell in a handbasket. And uh, so anyway, that was the experience. And then I had a question about... uh, the excerpt you played yesterday from Alistair Begg. Yes, sir. Is that available on a on a uh, podcast? And what date? Uh, are you? Uh, do you have a Twitter uh, account? If you do, I've put it on my Twitter timeline. Both the clip and today, I found the entire sermon, so I retweeted that. Or you could send me an email, Bruce at SalemMedia.com, and I'll be happy to send you a link to either one of those where you could play it and hear it and save it in whatever format you'd like to do. Okay, Bruce at salemmedia.com. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm not surprised. I am uh, disappointed, but I'm not surprised to hear Michael's experience at that particular Methodist church. He was calling from Dayton, but I don't have any way of knowing if he was in Dayton. I should have asked him. Uh, in Dayton or a suburb of Dayton when that happened to him. But it is, if you've been following uh, the Methodist church, they are a church where there's a great deal of internal conflict at the moment about whether churches want to remain with the imprint of the formal Methodist church organization. And the point of contention, the point of contention is sexual ethics. That there are some Methodist organizations and some Methodist churches that endorse LGBTQ pastors. That is, to me, outrageous and a perversion of the Scriptures. And so this is something that's dividing that church. And the Presbyterian Church has dealt with this. I would be comfortable saying that any church that deals with this and sides with believing that a person can be in direct conflict with the repeated, clear prohibitions against immorality in all forms, not just LGBTQ, but adultery, pornography, sex outside of marriage. There are many forms of immorality, sexual immorality. Anyone who is in conflict of those as an ongoing separated from the authority of God issue is a church, an organization that will fail, that will fail because it will not be blessed by God. And if it's not blessed by God, it's doomed to failure. Might take a long time, might even grow in the interim, but it is doomed to failure because if you are an evangelical Christian, you know how the game ends. And so those churches are, in various forms, referred to in uh, the letters to the various churches listed in the book of Revelation. 
Okay, so I was in trouble, like I said I would be, with one person, and another person seems to be fine. Uh, Joe Biden will be in trouble when his student loan forgiveness comes before the Supreme Court. This is the not just opinion of myself, but the opinion of many legal experts, because we have, throughout the years, taken a dim view in our country of a president unilaterally using his executive authority to spend a bunch of money, which is, according to the Constitution, that still, despite the efforts of Democrats, survives, the exclusive purview of the House of Representatives. They control the purse. When Joe Biden, willy-nilly out of thin air after saying he couldn't do it, decided to forgive a portion of student loan debt, 20000 for people who had Pell Grants, 10000 for others. The estimated price tag of that move was $400 billion. $400 billion. Now, I find it funny that this has been struck down in various lower courts. And so Joe Biden is going to the Supreme Court of the United States asking for them to approve his student loan forgiveness. This would be like... This would be like Sunday morning when the college football playoff committee was meeting. This would be like Ryan Day calling Jim Harbaugh saying, hey, could you advocate on our behalf as a playoff team? Uh, The Supreme Court has not smiled upon the Biden administration's legal overreaches, rent moratorium, mask mandates. Kind of reminds me of, you know, your kid asks you and mom says no. Yeah. So then they go to the other room and ask dad. Go ask dad. <laughs> what did he say? He, said, he, to ask, said. he said to ask, ask mom. mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Biden is not going to win this, but hey, he's a Democrat, so never let a crisis go to waste, right? The Supreme Court is going to overthrow this. And what is the Biden administration going to do? They're going to use it to invigorate their followers who already hate the Supreme Court because of the overthrow of the rent moratorium, because of the overthrow of Roe versus Wade. They're going to say it's just further evidence that the Supreme Court is not legitimate. Because to a Democrat, upholding the law in violation of what they want is not legitimate. <laughs> if you are a listener to this program, you probably partake of other conservative content, and so you're probably not unaware of a story that came out of Loudoun County, Virginia last year, where a father was arrested at a school board meeting because he made a scene over the fact that his freshman daughter was raped in a school bathroom by a transgender girl, that is, a biological boy. The boy said he was a girl. Loudoun County School District allowed him to use the real girls' restroom. He went in there, and he raped a freshman girl, and then the district covered it up. They sent the perpetrator, the person who did the rape, they sent him to another school in the district rather than reporting him to authorities, and he ended up assaulting another girl. Well... A Virginia grand jury has been investigating the Loudoun County School District, and yesterday they issued their report. And it's worse than you thought. The nine-person Loudoun County grand jury panel disclosed for the first time that a teacher's aide walked into the bathroom while the ninth-grade girl was being raped 
by her male classmate that the teacher's aide saw two pairs of feet underneath the stall door and did nothing. And did nothing. The 91-page report outlined a host of other lapses in security. And, I mean, someone should go to jail over this besides the kid who did the rape. I'm reading the details of this, and I can't even pretend to share them with you. It's so incredibly awful. So she just ignored it. He, ignored she it. She just ignored it. Ignored she left. It. Yeah. Now, where was my wife telling me? She was in a school recently. Oh, she was in a school recently, and I, boy, I wish I could remember what school it was because my daughter's basketball team played there. And it'll probably come to me as I go here if I go back through my daughter's schedule in my head. But they're, they're doing the non-binary bathrooms at this school. And the way they do it is they have a big window in the hallway where you can see into the bathroom, okay? You can see underneath the stall doors. You can see feet. You're in the hallway of the school. You're looking into the bathroom through a window, and you can see people. I mean, the stalls have doors on them, but you can see underneath the stall. I find that to be an incredibly invasive, unacceptable circumstance. Well, how is that going to help? Well, they I guess if I, they saw two pair of feet in the same well, stall, the they'd know something was up. Well, in the example you just gave a minute ago, that teacher's aide didn't yeah, even do anything didn't about do anything it. about it. Everybody in yeah. the hallway could watch. But just what I'm thinking it. about is when you Jeez. use a private bathroom stall, your pants end up down around your ankles while you're in that stall. And I just find that to be a visual image that most kids, True. and my daughter is in junior high school, she's not in high school yet, most kids would be repulsed by the idea of having people out in the hallway be able to see them, not clearly in a state of undress, but obviously in a state of undress. Well, this is the, the nonsensical ends to which we go in our culture to accommodate the few, yes, the extremely few people who are supposedly struggling with gender dysphoria. And in that vein, it seems appropriate to share with you the details of a story today in the dispatch. Franklin County sees shorter average sentences in convictions for sexually assaulting kids. Oh, wonderful. Over the last five years, according to this story by Bethany Bruner, 350 reports were taken each year by Columbus police for allegations of a child under the age of 15 being sexually assaulted or molested. And I looked at this story, and it basically works out to Columbus police get a report of somebody under the age of 13 being sexually assaulted every other week. Every other week. And we all heard the story back when Roe versus Wade was overturned. The left took great delight in sharing with us that, oh, there was a 10-year-old girl and she was raped and impregnated and she had to go to Indianapolis to get an abortion. And, oh, man, Ohio's laws are so evil. And her case was, as many of us thought, an extreme exception to that rule. Turns out it's not really that much of an exception. 
that this kind of thing happens. It happens like every other week. 2017, 30 cases filed. 2018, 31 cases filed. Now, the number of cases have gone down in recent years, or have the number of cases gone down? You think back to what our appetite was for the sexualization of children six years ago, five years ago, four years ago. Were we as matter-of-fact about it then as we are now? I would argue no, we were not. That was seen then as a horrendous crime. Now, we got drag shows, indoctrinating kids, and we got teachers with their LGBTQ flags, and we've got Explore Your Sensuality, and blah, 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 blah. I think there are just as many, probably more cases now, they're just not being reported. And if you have any familiarity with our juvenile court system or our court system in general in Franklin County, you know it is a system where perpetrators are not exactly having their feet held to the fire for their crimes. Now, one of the judges in Franklin County, Dan Hawkins, tells the dispatch that part of that is because the length of time it takes to get a case to court and get a case closed puts the victim through the trauma all over again because none of these things move fast. You don't get accused of a crime like this and two weeks later you're convicted. Oh, no. You can stall it out in court. You can have your attorney ask for a continuance for motion this and motion that. Dan Hawkins says that's why cases get pleaded down because the longer the actual event is separated from the time you go to court, the memory of the victim fades, or quite often, they just want the whole thing behind them. They just want the whole thing behind them, and they're not as eager to go to court to relive the experience, to articulate the experience, to detail the experience. They're not as eager to do that 9, 10, 12, 15 months after the fact as they are perhaps in the immediate aftermath of the attack. His quote is, it was either, plead down was either that or dismiss the case or drag the child kicking and screaming and throwing them up on the witness stand. I don't think people understand sometimes it's not something you want to do as a prosecutor, but you don't have any other choice. Well, this is where the court system needs to help out and needs to get these things done quicker. But that may not be a realistic objective because, of course, you have to observe the constitutional rights, as you should, of the accused. And then the other part of this is, and this was the case with the 10-year-old who had to go to Indianapolis, the family of the perpetrator, if it's someone who knows the victim, they often go to bat for the person who did the crime. One of the prosecutors says, I've had mothers of victims support the dad or the stepdad or the boyfriend even in cases where they've made admissions. That was the case with this 10-year-old girl. Family dynamics can play a huge role in these cases. It can make it very difficult as well. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.